Well, again, good morning, everybody. Pastor Tim, and it's so good to be joining you on this very cold day here in March, and we're all excited about the coming spring, I'm sure, and uh, I'm really glad that you are here. I've got an image on the screen that I want you to take a moment to look at, actually two images, and you notice there on the left-hand side, you find the atom, those uh, uh, science people here, you know, the atom, the nucleus, all of those things. That was the icon, they say, in the 20th century. And it was a metaphor that represented individualism, self-actualization, and independence. But now that we're in the 21st century, we have a new icon. We have a new metaphor, and it's no longer the atom, it's the net. And I'm not talking about the soccer net although we could make a pretty convincing case for that in our day, but I'm talking about the net. And it's the metaphor, it's the icon for not independence, but interdependence. And it's the icon for things like intellectualism, and not only that, but artificial intelligence and circuitry. And isn't it true that one of the most frustrating things in our world these days is when you can't connect. I, I'm sitting down, I'm so tired, and oh, there's something coming on HBO, or this movie I've been wanting to watch, and or catch up on the news, and all of a sudden this buffering begins on your smart TV. Or you're trying to get to a very important meeting, it's on Zoom, and you can't get the stupid computer to work. <laughs> Or you've got your phone and you're all out of memory and you can't get the thing there to save all your pictures. It's so frustrating, isn't it, when you can't connect. And, you know, frankly, when you don't connect, you miss out. Friends, I want to tell you today, we have a lot of people that are missing out because they are not connected with their Heavenly Father. And that's why we're in a series right now called Fearless Prayer, where we are striving to help you to grow your prayer life. We want to help you to get in a right relationship with God. We want you to connect. We don't want you to buffer anymore, but we want you to truly connect with your Heavenly Father. God says that if you're going to have peace in this world, then you're going to pray. And I have to tell you, I have put that to the test daily. I know a lot of times I'm venting because there's so much on my to-do list. There's so many things I have to do. There's so many problems I have, and I start venting. You've probably heard me vent. But then I get away, and I start praying, and God rebalances the equation. He said, no, wait a minute. I've got this, don't you worry. And the flood of peace comes in to my life. Friends, you need a connection with Jesus Christ. The more you pray, the more peace you're going to have. The less you pray, the less peace you're going to have. And as we travel through Lenten season here, we're going to be examining this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. And as you know, last week, we really focused on Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, and it was about connection. 
And the Lord said, here's how I want you to connect. Here's how to pray. I mean, that's the obvious question. And it was the question, was it not, that the disciples asked Jesus. Now, I know from this vantage point, I would have been saying, Lord, teach me how to command attention from people. You gave these amazing parables. You mesmerize people. How can I do that? Or you might have been saying, you know, you like perform so many incredible miracles. Can you just tell me how to change water into wine? Or healing. I've got family members. I've got ailments. God, how can I bring healing? How can I heal like you? How can I make the leprosy go away? How can I restore the sight to the blind? How can I help the lame? Don't you imagine the disciples would have been asking questions like that? But no, they asked the question, how do we pray? The reason is, if you go back and look at the Gospels, over 25 times you find this happening over and over and over, Jesus going away to pray. In fact, Luke 5, 16 says it was happening all the time. And so really, if you're there in that day and you're walking along with Jesus, you're seeing Jesus go away constantly to pray. And they say, Lord, we want to pray like that. We want to encounter the Heavenly Father. How do we do that? Teach us how to pray. And he said, all right, I'll tell you. You begin, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then we go to the next phrase, and it's thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I think this is the most misunderstood phrase of all of this prayer that we pray so oftentimes. I think it's really misunderstood, and a lot of people don't really grasp it. But this may be an eye-opening for you. What does it mean to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done? What in the world is the kingdom of God anyway? Well, you know, essentially God's kingdom is God's plan for history. It's the rule and the reign of God in this world. And all of his purposes are accomplished in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is allowed to be king. That's where you're going to find the kingdom of God. One day when Jesus comes back to earth, he's going to establish his kingdom. And Jesus says, when I'm king in your heart, the kingdom of God is within you. And so the kingdom of God is wherever the Lord is allowed to be king. And so people, as you know, have tried to usher in some type of kingdom all throughout these years. We know Louis XIV there in France, he tried to do it. He tried to usher in the kingdom of God, but of course he failed. We know Hitler tried to do it. He called it the Third Reich. And it was supposed to be this master race, and it was going to be a thousand years of peace upon the planet. We know he failed. Then we know not long after that, this fellow came along, Karl Marx tried it. And he wrote this communist manifesto, and in there it was describing the system of government that would bring a kingdom of peace on the earth. People have been trying to do this for years. The second phrase here that you find in this text, your will be done, it explains the first, the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. 
Now, you know, back before we had typewriters, we had pencils, all those kind of things, and it was just in an era of the spoken word. Oftentimes, we know that they would say a second phrase to kind of reinforce the first phrase, to say it kind of in a different way to enforce and make it more explanatory. You see this all the time, for example, in the Old Testament. Think about some of the Psalms. Think about some places here in the Old Testament, like in Psalm 46 and 7. Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The same kind of thing stated in a second way. Or over here in, let's say, uh, Psalm 121. Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade upon your right hand. And so Jesus is using this method here, maybe in a similar way, to kind of reinforce and help us understand the kingdom and it's his will. In other words, the kingdom comes in one's life when you allow the will of God to be done in your life. When you allow Jesus into your life and allow him to reign in your life, it's transformative for you. Your relationship to Jesus is in large part determined by doing the will of God. And God's kingdom is wherever God's will is done. So if you want more rest, if you want more peace and less stress, you need to invite God into your life. You need to allow the will of God to rule in your life. You need to settle one thing and one thing from the beginning. Is God number one in your life? Is God the pilot in your life? Or is God the co-pilot in your life? Or somewhere back in storage? Or, you know, some flight attendant? Or is God leading your ship? And that's something you really have to resolve in your heart and in your life. God has not gone on vacation and left you in charge. And if you're ever going to have peace, despite all the problems, despite all the difficulties, all the horrors of war, all the things that swirl about us from pestilence and pandemics to all the everyday really overwhelming things in our life, when you learn that you have to allow Jesus into your life, the peace is going to prevail. God is going to take over leading and guiding your life. So when you pray this prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, there are three things that come to mind that I want to share just quickly. The first thing that you have to do is you have to embrace God's plan for your life. You're going to embrace God's plan for your life. Instead of your own plan for your life, you're going to accept God's plan for your life. And that's difficult, isn't it? That's really, really hard to do. It's really hard to accept things in your life that you don't want that way. But if you think about it, a lot of things in your life, in fact, most of the major things in your life, you have no control over. Uh, you have no control over what country you're going to be born into or, you know, who your parents are going to be or when you're going to die or what kind of talents you have. You don't choose what people do to you. And you have to accept things in life. You have to accept that you're not six foot five, or if you just want to be five foot five, I mean, those things are already baked in the cake. And how do you get through with just finding out there's a lot of things already fixed in your life? Well, I'm going to tell you, worrying doesn't help. I've tried that. Uh, resenting things 
will not work. I've tried that too. Feeling guilty and having a royale pity party certainly isn't going to work. You can't change the past. It's not going to yield peace. And there's only one thing that will work, and that is to pray this prayer. Thy kingdom come, Lord. Thy will be done. It's to accept God's will in your life. You say, God, I want you in my life. You need to learn this first step here, the prayer of connection, and then the next is right into it, this prayer of encounter with the Holy Spirit, inviting God's Spirit into your life to have reign upon you and your heart. The truth is, as you know, most of the time when things happen, God doesn't give you an explanation for it. Maybe you remember back to elementary school or grade school, uh, you remember the teacher would come along after a few weeks of all this lecturing and all these different activities. They would come along and hand out a test. And then they would go back to the front of the classroom and sit down at their desk and there would be silence. And they weren't continuing to lecture, but now they wanted to see how you were going to respond to the test questions. And, you know, the teacher is always silent when the test is being given. And, you know, I find that's the same that is true with us in life because it's true with God. Anytime you're going through a test or a trial, oftentimes the Lord is there silent and seeing how you are going to handle the adversity. How are you going to respond? How are you going to be maneuvering in this life? Are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you? Are you going to trust me even when you can't feel me? Are you going to follow me even when you don't hear me? When it's not tangible, when you don't understand everything going on, are you still going to be following me? It's often a test and a challenge. God wants you to pray when you're in those situations so you can encounter the peace of God. You can encounter the living Lord in your life. We're told to be full of godly virtues. And how do you know that you're full of godly virtues? It's kind of like the sponge. You know, the sponge, you know, if it was full of water, and even if you just put a little bit of pressure on it, water comes oozing all out and just falls all over the table. And, you know, the same is with us. When you're under pressure, when things are going on around you, and, you know, what's on the inside is going to come out on the outside. And you need to really be full of God's Spirit. A second thing that I want to say to you is that if you're going to pray this prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, you're going to not only have to accept God's plan for your life, but just like unto it, you're going to have to entrust to God's control. In other words, you're going to have to surrender to God's control. You know, probably the older you get and you go to your doctor, you're going to hear one of two things. Well, that's just something you're going to have to learn to live with. Or that's something you're going to have to learn to live without. Ooh, giving up the salt. Or whatever that might be. Or the carbs. Or whatever those issues are. And, you know, we don't like the word surrender. Ooh, that's nasty. We don't like when we have to throw in the towel. Or when we have to hoist that, uh, that white flag and say, well, we forfeit and we give up. It reminds us of the word submission, and boy, we don't like any of these words. I get it. 
But it's the only pathway to peace if you're going to surrender to God and allow God to take over your life. Every morning when you wake up, you've got a decision to make. You're going to say, am I going to call the shots or am I going to let God call the shots? Am I going to do what's on my to-do list or am I going to do what's on God's to-do list? Whose agenda am I going to follow today? And sometimes you see in the Bible maybe a place and you know there's a verse here. Ooh, I don't like that verse. I don't like the way that sounds. It's just ugly. You know what? I'm going to get my black magic marker out and I'm just going to blot out that verse out of the Bible. Or like some have done in the past, Jefferson and others, I'm going to get my pocket knife out and just kind of take that verse out. Ooh, I don't like that. But you know, when you do that, you oftentimes hear people saying, well, God just wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy. Anytime you hear, but God just wants me to be happy, it means they're probably justifying something. Or they're rationalizing something. You know what rationalize is? It means you, it's rational lies is what that means. It's rational lies. You tell your head what your heart knows is really wrong. And you know in your heart it's wrong, but you say, God wants me to be happy. And you just ignore it. But you're not going to be happy unless you are really following God, what God wants you to do. And the truth is, this is the real reason that a lot of people are under stress. Uh, you're at war with God. If you peel the onion back, if you be honest about it, the Bible is very clear about the effect of that upon our lives. In fact, the Psalms, listen to this. Psalms here, 37. It says, surrender yourself to the Lord and wait patiently for him. That's the key to peace. Surrender yourself to the Lord. Obviously, you're in a war with God. And you're trying to grab for the controls. You're trying to get your hands, your fingers on the steering wheel. You know, they say that when Beethoven was exhumed some 42 years after his death and they opened things up, they found that his arms were pointed up and his fists were clenched. Somebody had buried him the way that his attitude was in life. He was such a bitter and angry guy because... He uh, became deaf at age 30, and he felt like God had hemmed him in. And i got to ask you today, what is it in your life that you are angry about with God? What is it if you would just be honest with yourself in the quietness of your soul right now, what is it that you really are resenting? What is it that is so troubling to you and making you so angry. God, I wish I would have been more beautiful. Why did you make me like this with this birthmark here? What about this handicap that I've got? What about this wonderful business that I started and it's failed? Or what about this child that's really troubling to me in my life? Or whatever it is in your life. What are you carrying around that you're so resenting today? That's so upsetting for you. That kind of thing only keeps you in turmoil. It only keeps you at war with God. And so don't blame God, but relax and say, God, thy will be done. 
And then lastly, not only is it to embrace or accept the plan of God, not only is it to surrender to God's control, but the third thing here is to expect or to confide, to trust in God's care. You expect and trust your life into the care of God. Trust God's care. If God guides you, he will take care of you and he will provide for you. And this is the promise that we find repeatedly in God's word. You, Lord, give true peace, Isaiah said, Isaiah 26. You give true peace to those who depend on you because they trust you. Your life is never going to be problem free. We call it IAS. You know what IAS is? It's always something if it's not one thing, it's another. Your life is like CBG Airport. There's all of these problems circling around, just like vultures, uh, just buzzards flying around and swirling around in your life. And one suddenly kind of swoops down at you and it lands on the runway of your life. And you've got to deal with the aftermath. Hopefully it doesn't crash and burn. But you got to unload the plane and just by the time you get it to the terminal and you get it all readied and all taken care of, here comes another one. Sometimes it's two and three at a time. They're just circling around waiting to land upon your life because there's, it's always something. Something is always going to be up and happening in your world and in your life. And you have to learn how to have peace in the middle of all that. And if you're only a piece, when you go to Myrtle Beach on vacation one week out of the year, you're going to have a long, difficult life because you need to learn to live at peace at all times. And it doesn't mean you might not have a day when you're really troubled, when you're really feeling down, and when you're really sad. But if you escape to your prayer closet, if you head to the prayer wall, if you go alone and spend that 10, 15, 20 minutes, half hour, if you just go alone and be with God routinely, it changes your life. Because you are embracing the plan of God, you're surrendering control to God, and you're confiding in His care. You know, I want to invite you today to join me in a moment of prayer. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, is always great is when I go to prayer, I generally take a piece of paper or a legal pad or something to write with and listen to what God wants me to do. God, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? You know, I've got an image here that, like, blew me away. It was on my bucket list. I wanted to go to the Holy Land, and I wanted to go to the Wailing Wall. And that's a picture that I took as I'm standing there, and there's all these people that are going. It doesn't capture it there, but there's all kinds of people on this plaza, and people are going up. And I put a couple of prayer requests in that wall. And ever so often they'll come and they'll take the prayer requests. And I put some things on there that I wanted to surrender to God. I wanted the care of God. 
And you know what? Randy went with me and a whole bunch of others in the church, and we built our own prayer wall out here in the lobby. And I want you here today, just spend two or three minutes, and I want you to get real with God. And I want you to take that piece of paper, and I want you to write down whatever's on your heart and mind that you want to give to God. And maybe it's just, I need to accept God's will. Maybe I don't, I'm not really sure, God, what your will is. Or maybe it's, Lord, I've been resenting this. If I'd be honest with you, I I am really angry. I've been upset with you because of this, and I just want to relinquish control to you. Or maybe it's a need in your family. Maybe it's a, a marriage situation or some issue with a family member. Or maybe it's something at work. Any kind of need. I want to invite you to write this down. You know, we have a prayer team here at the church that we call it Acts. And one of the things that we ask this group to do is to keep things confidential. And another thing we ask this group to do is to pray for the needs of the church family. And they're going to covenant with you to be in prayer for the needs that you have. So take two or three minutes. Sean leads us in this moment. And put down whatever's troubling your life, whatever's going on in your world. We want to invite you to really encounter God today. And be faithful in following Him.
let's sing praise God with me. Praise God, 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 praise God. God, we come before you today. Oh, how we call upon your name and we say, hallowed be, holy it be, your name. And Lord, we pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we lift up every soul here today, every heart, every troubled person, everyone that might feel resentful feelings or anger or might be going through such a terrible time with an illness or a problem or an issue. God, we pray upon your holy name to come surround your people with peace today we pray for those in a faraway land on the other side of the world that's running from shells and looking for bread and just in harm's way we pray God for your peace we pray for your kingdom to reign and that your spirit would have right away in all of our hearts and life ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed day. And as you leave today, if you feel the call of God, I invite you to take your prayer card and spend some moments there at our prayer wall. We have a team of people that will be in prayer for you this week. Thank you so much for this day. Stay warm, stay safe, and may the peace of Christ be with you. Amen.